once again, I am Mike Scala, and this is Nuance. I'm joined, as always, by Jay Carter, also known as Timid. He is the hip-hop MC and the chair of BLM Tokyo. What's going on, Jay? Uh, everything is all good on this end. You know, got uh, some good news. Just uh, happy to see my mother happy. <laughs> yes, I want to talk about that. And speaking of good news, we are joined by maybe one of the nicest people I ever met. Rose Dale Narine, who is a real estate salesperson and a radio host, among other things. How are you, Rose? Hey, doing fine. Better now, hanging out with both of you. I'm great. What about you? Doing well, aside from the fact that I'm sick, but the show must go on, as they say. We were mentioning the fact that we're almost a year into this at this point, and we haven't missed a Tuesday. So I want to make sure we keep that streak going, even if we are sick, and even if the laptop might die. I don't have my laptop charger with me, so we might run into some technical issues, but we're here while we can be here. The show must Absolutely. Absolutely. How are you doing, Mike? I know you mentioned you're sick, so probably uh, you were in uh, Miami last week, so I think you picked that up on the way. I don't know where I picked it up. You know, I was just thinking back to my trip, the fact that I had that Mustang and enjoying Florida with the top down, beautiful weather, maybe hitting back, you know, going back to New York or, or up north in the colder weather. Maybe that was a shot to the immune system. Who knows, right? But somewhere along the way, I must have picked up a bug. Luckily, it's not COVID. I did do a test. <laughs> I don't know. It's a negative COVID test. So I'm thankful for that. So just taking the cough medicine and hoping for the best. That's what's up. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we are still here. And I wanted to lead in with your mom's book, Jay, you mentioned good news on that front. So your mom just released a children's book, is it? Yeah. So um, she wrote a children's book probably about 20 years ago. And um, she was really excited about it. And but she couldn't get it to to print. Like she couldn't get an artist. She didn't know how to do this or whatever. And we were having a conversation because I was writing a book. And we just have a conversation. I was like, oh, well, whatever happened to your to, to your book? And she's like, well, I still have the file. I just could never get it done. So I was like, give it to me. And so I got it, got the artist, got everything. And I got it up. I published it. And here we are right here. Wow. Boom. So this is, a, this is a, a proof copy. So you can see like the tag across the top of it. But it's live now on Amazon. And uh, she was so happy um, to actually get a physical copy in her hands. And uh, so that made me happy. Wow, that's great. I think my mom ordered one too. So, uh, so yes, she did mention that. Super awesome. So hard copies are available in addition to Kindle copies, e-copies or what have you? Well, right now it's just the hard copies, the paper, okay. well, paperback uh, available on Amazon. Um, and so it's a, it's actually somewhat related to real estate. Um, she was housing um, a human services director um, for the local county. And uh, so part of it was about housing fairness and combating housing discrimination. And so the, the theme of the book is kind of that idea so that people can live anywhere they want to be able to live and shouldn't be any discrimination. So that was kind of the point. And the star is JJ the giraffe. JJ the giraffe. Was I don't know where she came up with the name. By Jay Carter. <laughs> I don't know where she came up with the name. You know, I mean. Yeah. Um, and so why did you pick a giraffe? I don't know. I have no clue. But, you know, I'm, you know, it's not lost on me that giraffes have long necks and I kind of have a long neck. So. Yeah, I, was, I was about to say, is she trying to say something about you? What's you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So, but it, it's, it's, it's good. So I'm glad it, 
we were able to get it out and um, you know make make something that she wanted to happen finally come to fruition. That's great. So it's never too late, you know. No, that's a, a lesson to be learned here. So we should put the link to it in the chat so people can check it out if they want to. Sure, I'll pull that up and then we'll get into that. Rose, do you have any kind of creative outlets like that? I mean, I know you're into radio hosting and I'm seeing events and things like that. Have you ever written a children's story or anything like that? Well, first of all, I want to say I love the name of the book. I, I just found out along with the viewers. I love the name of the book. And I think JJ is probably Jay. I mean, <laughs> I, and you know, they always say moms are so close to their son. And I think it would be like such, such a nice tribute to his son but have I written a book so <laughs> I've never written a book before but speaking about talent um, I'm also a professional MC and la last week Saturday I was um, hired to do something different basically I was hired to conduct interviews with the party goers to promote the hall so I walked in there and they said to me you have to introduce the birthday boy and I said what introduce the birthday boy I'm hired to do interviews and I was just like before I could take off my jacket I was thrown into being the MC for a first birthday party wow. and thank god I knew exactly what to do I introduced him I was able to format the entire thing along with conducting like 10-15 interviews so um, one of the guests who I interviewed, she mentioned, you know, you were so great as an MC. And I'm like, well, thank God I know how to MC. I was just thrown into something that I wasn't hired here for today. But um, it's just, it's just a lot of fun. And it doesn't interfere with my day job. It's all happening in the night. So Right. That's really an interesting story because I was going to mention that Jay and I are MCs, but of a different variety. We're hip hop MCs, but really, there's a lot of overlap there because what you're saying is just having the ability to be adaptable. That's really what an MC is, being able to handle any situation, especially in a live setting like that, and just kind of handle a curveball that's thrown at you and being able to rise to the occasion and say, listen, this is what I do. I'm an MC. I can hold it down no matter what it is. The first, bring a birthday party, bring it on, right? I could do it. And, and part of that is like um, one of the points to there is some people might think oh well you're just talking on the mic or whatever but there's also that managing that dead space yeah right? you've got to come up with something so there isn't that lull and so that you can keep things moving on the fly while you're trying to like pay attention to the environment and you know see where to go next and who to speak to and what to talk about and stuff like that so it, it is a great skill right it's applicable in all different areas of life i would argue yeah yeah, actually, there was a magician. His name uh, was Miles. And while Miles was setting up his show, I had to like, you know, speak and 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 really fill in that 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 time that he needed to set up. And I was able to do that. And um, I think it's 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 all about being brave too. Yes, you could speak on a mic, but they want to make sure you have the crowd's attention. You right. you're able to get like a, a crowd that's probably not in the mood to party, but also interested and fun and lively and happy. And uh, it, it was it was very, and, it, and when a party is not planned the way it should on the flow, it, it's like you become a party planner too. 
your yeah. party planner during the, the unfolding of the live party it was and then these parents are spending so much money you want to make sure that the party goes according to what they want you know the, the decor the food the cake the dancers that they paid and and then the magician so it was like oh gosh i got this i have to do this let me just and the DJ, who I was meeting for the first time, he's like, I really like you. I want to hire you to go to Maryland for three days in June. So one thing always nice. leads to another. Now, That's is that crazy. National Harbor or somewhere else? I, I, have, I have no idea. Okay. I, I, I was just there. That's a, a great venue yeah. area in the MGM. There's a lot of activities going on in National Harbor. Maybe where I got sick. I don't know. But. <laughs> Certainly a lot of people in that area <laughs> going to parties and doing different things. Um, awesome, that's great. You mentioned also you had to interview the birthday boy, was it? So you, so you interviewed a one-year-old? No. So the reason the owner of the banquet hall hired me, he wanted me to come in and do some interviews with the party goers to show oh, okay. them all. And um, so I was, while the party was going on, I found like a, a space where I can do interviews with the camera uh, person to ask yeah, yeah. about the food, the service, the hall, and you know, just promote it. It's a beautiful hall. It's brand new too. Sure. I was going to say, if anyone can interview a one-year-old, it's probably you. Without they'll be entertaining. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was just having a good old time. Yeah, uh, I bet. That's that's interesting to me. Um, I, I'm going to ask: Is the the it was a first birthday, right? Um, now, typically in we would call it the mainland, but in the the, the contiguous 48 states um first birthdays are not really that much of a big deal to where you have a party and you have mcs and stuff but in hawaii this was a big deal uh first birthdays we would have they you know, rent out djs i used to dj and we would play these first birthday parties and they'd have this big thing and big families would come out and it was you know a big uh event so it's kind of interesting that you had one out here so i'm wondering you know what's the background of the people who threw the party that's a great question. So I am West Indian. I am from Trinidad and Tobago, but I get hired a lot from the Punjabi culture. They are from originally from India. And they have, I could tell you some of the most unusual parties I've emceed for the Punjabi culture. I'm talking once I had to drive all the way to Jersey to emcee a hair cutting ceremony for a young baby. They cut the baby's um here for the first time so I had to emcee a hair cutting ceremony and then um, another time the baby was eating for the first time solid food I that was that another, party. another party in Long Island so Punjabi they are Punjabi and this was a lavish party they had everything you could imagine at this last the first birthday party that's that's crazy so yeah I mean I, I just thought it just seemed like a little bit different because it's not standard um Standard practice, I guess, for to have lavish first birthday parties in in uh, this the main forty eight or the lower forty eight, as Alaska would say. Yeah, the West Indians do that too. They have lavish first birthday parties too. Okay, okay, yeah. So that's what's yeah, up. and there's a subtlety, I think, to that skill of being a good MC because the job is really making it look easy because you want to look natural, like you're having fun and make people have fun. And like you said, there's a party planning element to it as well. Sometimes there's a lot of stuff that's going on in the background, but you don't want people 
to feel that stress or to see it that necessarily. You want them to just be relaxed and at ease in the moment. And so part of the skill is making it look like there's nothing going on. Like, hey, this is just easy, even though there really is a lot under the surface. And I think that's one of the reasons it goes underappreciated sometimes because the whole job is making it seem like there's not much to it, even though there is. So I have a very interesting story. My friend, uh, she she was a party, um, she, her and her mom owned a flower shop and she had a brain aneurysm. And so she hired me for a party. She referred me for a party and I showed up and she was not there, but it wasn't unusual for her not to be there because they would come in decorate the hall with the flowers and leave right before I was about to introduce the bride and the groom it was a wedding I found out she had a brain aneurysm and she was in the hospital and everyone was praying for her but knowing that piece of information I had the mic in my hand I now have to go so picture this people are in the hospital they're sad but then you have this group of people so happy because someone's about to like walk in as husband and wife and I as DMC know this information but I had to just put on my game face and just go there with that energy and happiness for them knowing what was going on with my friend. So having the ability to do that and not ruin someone's special day is very, very important. But I've also been emceeing for 16 years. In the start, I used to have to take shots to get on the mic, but now I'm like, I got this. You, What you want me to do? I got it. <laughs> yeah, just give me the mic. Okay, so we have to ask, you know, Mike's, as Mike said, we are both we're both MCs. Yes. Um, what's your MC name? MC name? I just go by Rose. My full name is Rosanna, but I just go Rose. I, I love that name. It reminds me of a flower, which I happen to have here. <laughs> Rose. That is a gimmick. Yeah, I love it. If you want to, Jay, if you want to give me, appoint me a new name, I'm all for it. I'll consider it. <laughs> all right. We'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to brainstorm. We'll have to brainstorm something. If anyone in the comments has any, uh, <laughs> any suggestions. That could be for, the next poll of the week. Yeah. Should it be MC Rose? What, what is or, it? Yeah. We'll have to come up with some good choices and have people pick the best one. Yeah. Thank you to everyone for tuning in so far. I see Jeremy saying Happy New Year, homies. Happy New Year, Jeremy. Deborah Costa in the chat says, I work in a banquet hall and I can tell you that I see some lavish first birthday parties from all backgrounds. Hi, Deborah. I know Deborah. I saw her last week. Hi, Deborah. I saw Deborah last night. Oh, yes. <laughs> I've never seen Deborah. So you guys win. I think Jay wins that one. No, Deborah. Look, I, MC, I MC Rose D. Deborah said MC Rose D. MC Rose D. Interesting. D D E E. Okay. I kind of I'm kind of vibe with it. D Rose also is a play on a basketball player. That's right. Wow. So, I think so. that. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to brainstorm this some more. But yeah, you mentioned seeing Deborah. Was that part of the Kiwanis Club? Yes, I saw Deborah last week. We actually sat up as with each other. I'm part of the Woodhaven Ozone Park Kiwanis Club, and Deborah was there, and she got inducted last week. Well, congratulations to Deborah, and I've seen you at the Kiwanis Club before. I think you also helped with the turkeys on Thanksgiving when I worked with the Kiwanis on that, and so you're big into community service as well, right? I think, and as, as I was telling someone recently, it's important to take a moment and give back and give back in a way where you're doing it selflessly. And it's, it's part of life because I have such a busy life. Like last Saturday, I showed a home, spent an hour with a new buyer, 
went, got something to eat, changed into my uh, party outfit and then MC. But the Kiwanis Club allows me to take a moment, find out, figure out ways we can help other people in the community, and then we execute. And that's also part of life, giving back in ways that you are able to do by yourself or with a team. So it's it's important. Right. And the Kiwanis Club serves the children primarily in the neighborhood. We also have the Lions Club, which we founded during COVID and didn't really have a chance to launch properly until recently. And I wanted to mention it really quickly last night. We did have a big meeting. We had a bring a buddy meeting. So we tried to expand it and get even more people involved. And it was great. Over 100 people showed up. And since the Kiwanis focuses on the children, the Lions is going to focus mostly on the seniors to serve that need in the community. And uh, definitely want to shout out everyone who was a part of that last night. And I'm looking forward to big things with that. Someone had an idea of a visiting seniors program. I know Catholic Charities used to do it. Uh, but they're all different services that we can provide to look out for people in the community. And it's great that we have groups like this in Ozone Park and the surrounding neighborhoods. You know, originally the Lions was going to be just the Lions Club of Ozone Park. And I was really big on making sure it was Howard Beach and Woodhaven as well, because there isn't that, that, that there is a, a need for that in all of these neighborhoods. And so I wanna make sure we're reaching as many people as possible. And it's a beautiful thing to have groups like this to fill these needs, whether they're serving children to the Kiwanis, seniors to the Lions and everything in between. We need more community service and we need to look out for those in need and look out for each other. Absolutely, absolutely. And we've talked about that um, you know, often as far as giving back to the community, being a part of the community and whatnot. And it sounds to me uh, like, like Rose, is uh plays a part in a lot of that too i mean you sound like you get a lot of varied things going on like real estate uh MCing, of course and then it sounds like a lot of community service efforts can you tell us a little bit more about uh you know what it is you do and what are you into sure so i am a full-time real estate agent i fell in love with real estate at age 19. i was a receptionist at 18 but i fell in love at 19 because at age 18, I started with Century 21 and then 19 Remax. Those are um, companies, real estate companies you're probably familiar with, the franchise names. And when I went in there, I was behind a desk and I would see the agents going when they want, coming when they want, getting paid well, just having this life where I was trapped behind the desk. And uh, once I was able to get my real estate license, I went, I took the state exam. And I started off with Keller Williams and I love everything about real estate. It is very different than being behind a desk. It's now so much more hard work because as a real estate agent, you got to go find those clients. You're not given those clients, but so as a real estate agent, what I do is I list homes for sale. So if someone would like to sell their home, I have a meeting with them we go over the pricing i show them why the pricing is that way i provide them data if someone would like to buy a home we have a consultation it's important to have a consultation because i want to understand you what you're looking for and during the process then i find out exactly uh, we get to know each other like once i i was working with a buyer last year in the height of everything you must have heard the craziness that was going on in the in, in the real estate industry and my buyers, they were like, we can't make it. We both have to work, mom and I, the son and the mom. And I'm like, I got you. So I went to the home. I called them. I said, this is the home you're going to fall in love with. And they did. 
I was able to negotiate, negotiate the uh, offer and got them the home. And there was like about four or five other offers, but the agent on the other side who represented the seller said, we like the way you work. We see the way you work. We want to do business with you. And we were able to secure the deal, not because of the buyers, because they wanted a seller's concession, meaning they wanted to finance their closing costs, but because the way I was able to put the deal together. So yeah, I love what I do. It's, it's a long time coming. Um, finally being able to do real estate full time. It is very challenging because there's a lot of real estate agents out there. Um, but once you keep at it and you stay focused and dedicated, you can get the work done and people see the value in you. Yeah. And that's a good point too, because I think a lot of people think of real estate as just a hustle people do to make money, but it could be very rewarding as well. Like you said, the story about putting a family in a home, even helping someone sell their house or they're looking for the next house, whatever it is, that could be enriching, not just for the money, but also just for the value it brings to people's lives. And by the way, I do want to mention, I'm also the type of agent who would, who would say, look, this house is not for you because the son was so desperate to find a home. But because I did the consultation, the mom said, I want a nice backyard because I want to have these functions. And he would send me these homes because you knew you could see homes online now. So he was sending me these links. And when I look at the backyard, I'm like, no, your mom's not going to like that. No, this is not for you. This is not for you. And finally, when they got that home with a private driveway and a beautiful backyard, I spoke with the mom recently and well, the son, of course, because now his girlfriend is pregnant. So they're at a home, they're starting a family and everything is just, so it's not like you're going to come to me and say, well, I want this home. And then the mom is not agreeing. I'm going to make sure we find a home everyone loves and you're not rushing, to, rushing into something that you may regret along the line. So there's a lot of um, dedication emotions and I don't take on too many clients because I want to make sure I give you my 100% because it is a big deal. It's not like you're going in a, a department store and buying a jacket. This is a house. This is a lot of money. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's something that you're going to hold for, you know, a long period of time or, or spend an incredible amount of time in. So it's a, it's a really important purchase. So, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm familiar with a few of the companies. My mother actually used to be a Century 21 real estate agent as well. Oh, oh that's awesome. I, I have to meet your mom. <laughs> yeah, she's super great. <laughs> so if anyone wants to get in touch with you about potentially using you as a real estate agent, I know you said you're selective and your clients, but how would they reach you? Yeah, well, when I say I'm selective, once I do a bias consultation and we see that we're right fit for each other to work with each other, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all yours. I'm dedicated to you and I would like to provide that service to my client. And they can reach me on my cell phone and directly, which is 917-496-1819. Or they can email me, simple, rosedarenorion1 at gmail.com. Okay, so let's say I got $100. I want to get a nice <laughs> six-bedroom home somewhere on the beach. Like, what can you do for me? You could be referred to HGTV. Uh, <laughs> no, it's so funny you say that because a lot of people think real estate is like HGTV, but it's, it's the opposite, by the way. It really is. But for $100, I would say, hey, go on Amazon. <laughs> you can yeah, get a toy house. Get a dollhouse. Maybe I can get something house. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. I could buy a few Murphy Farm books for that money. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. You know, I, that's true. <laughs> or maybe I'll start my my real estate empire there. Maybe go in and and get like some dollhouses 
for for a hundred dollars and then try to flip those up to like 125 and just keep doing that until i can get to like a real place you know that's that's what the investors do that from one home they take the equity and purchase another home and then another home and that's the way to build build true wealth in in this country i think that real estate real estate is the way to build wealth in this in this country Right. That's the American dream. And Jay, wasn't that a Jay-Z line as well? We used to fight over building blocks. Now we fight over blocks with buildings. Yeah, absolutely. What's okay. everyone saying in the chat? I'm so curious. I can't see the chat. Oh, I just it's on AOL. It's on AOL. Look, AOL. Look how AOL. Oh, my God. Where did that come from? You know where that came from? The meeting last night when people were talking about how behind the times they were. In some cases, someone mentioned they still had an AOL email address. Wow, yeah, I haven't used that in I don't know how long. I wonder what the mortgage rate is on a Barbie dream home. So I was looking at the rates right before I came on because I know that that's one of the things we might have discussed. And um, okay, I'm gonna add to profile because thanks, Deborah. She just tagged me so people could see. Um, and the rates are between five and, and 7%. Obviously, uh, the way rates work is, is case by case. If you, Jay, are putting down $100 in a home and you have a 740 plus credit score and your debt is, is okay versus your income and Mike is putting down $50 on a home and his credit score is like in the 600s, you're going to get a different rate. So interest rates is case by case. It depends on the amount of down payment, your debt to income ratio, and um, how much money you have to work with. So it, it's all, and people say, you know, interest rates are high right now. Historically, it's low. Okay. I, I'd like, I really like to find this neighborhood where uh, Mike and I are putting down $150 down uh, <laughs> for houses. So, I know. That's what's I, up. I was just using the number, but prices in, in, in New York is, Mike knows. It's, it's ignorant. It's ridiculous. It's high. Makes no sense whatsoever. No, I know. And every time I go out of state or anywhere on vacation just to get away, I start looking at real estate where I'm at. And I'm thinking, oh, how much would it cost to buy a house here or just a condo or something? And I always start thinking, you know what? Maybe it's expensive, but compared to New York, it's not that bad. <laughs> right. Anything compared to New York, it's not that bad. Oh, Cali. Cali, real estate is also very, very expensive. Yeah. yeah. Deborah in the chat says $150 won't even pay the electric bill these days. Right. That's so true, Deborah. That's, that's crazy because, you know, my my electric bill, you know, they try to kill me with the electric bill out there in Japan. And, you know, like $30, $25 a month sometimes. It's just, uh, I don't know how I can deal with it. I guess yeah. that went over everyone's head. When you put on the light, you take it off, like you stay so proactive because everything adds up. But yeah. now, because of inflation, everything just went right up and you keep on seeing these bills and it's just going higher and higher and higher. And you're like, how are people are really gonna like afford everything? It needs to stabilize. And that's what's happening with the real estate market too. It's stabilizing, which- So is now the time to buy or should we wait? I know when people are talking recession, um, should we be buying now or waiting until the bottom drops out or has it? So I have two parts to that answer because what we know is now, meaning we know what the interest rate is now. I can't predict what the future is, but we know at 5%. So what, what I always say is that 
as a buyer, if you know you want your mortgage to be a certain number, let's say 4,000 a month, but the interest rate is 5% but you, and you find a home that's giving you that 4,000 a month, you focus on the payment because that's what you need. And you know that the interest rate is not going to affect your payment because you're comfortable paying the 400. And now last year, there was a bidding war on all of the homes. I had a purchase up, purchase a home for 55,000 over asking with mm. uh, an appraisal appraisal contingency, which meant they bought the home no matter what the appraisal price came in. There were so many bidding wars. People were paying over the asking price. But now as a buyer, you don't have as much other people to come to compete with. And you are able to negotiate things on your terms. It really depends because last Saturday's home I showed there was 23 offers. But to really, really answer your question, Jay, is as a buyer, are you ready? If you are ready, willing, and able, and you know what your goals are, you make that move. If you know, like I recently did a buyer's consultation and they said, Rose, I want to be in a house by summer. I don't want to wait anymore. This June, I want to own my home. It's all about your goal and what you're, what you're financially able to do. That makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. I know people get concerned about those those issues because depending on on whatever the interest rates are or the market is doing, you could jump in and then end up underwater in a home. And you know, no one no one of course wants that. Um, so that idea of wondering, okay, when should I get in? When should I not? But I guess ultimately, if your goal is to own a home and it's something that you're going to be in long term, that should be less of a factor. In my Rent, rent, when you rent, it's a thousand percent, a hundred percent interest rate right. when you're renting. When you purchase a home, that equity is being built every month, you make those payments. And again, if you are financially ready to purchase a home, then you make it work. And, and what makes you financially ready? Well, when you want to apply for the loan, you go to your banker, which I have one in, on my team. You come to me and I refer you to someone or you might have someone on your own, totally fine. And they, they ask you, how much are you making? What do you own? Do you own a car? Do you already have a home? And they'll tell you what you can afford. Okay, Jay. Okay, Mike, I'm going to give you a loan for 600000 Then you work between that price bracket. And we're not going to look for homes at 600000 We're going to look for homes at, at five fifty. So if you have to go a little above, you have room. So it really depends on what you're ready for. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and uh, I didn't catch that, Deborah. Deborah, she said, underwater, no pun intended for us Howard Beach folks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Mike, you can definitely explain what she means by that. Yeah, the flooding. I yeah, mean, yeah, the flooding. Like recently, yeah. the Howard Beach is underwater because it rained. I mean, it's... Yeah, especially when you get to like Hamilton Beach, it's been going on for years. I actually saw Deborah's Facebook post about that recently. Um, she shared a couple of pictures of of it. That's crazy. Yeah, no, it's wild. And you got to worry about cars washing away or getting damaged from the water as well. Yeah, Salvatore in the chat says hello. Finally got you. So I know he's been meaning to tune in. Thank you for joining us, Salvatore. We appreciate it. 
You know, so. it's funny. People might hear us talk about doing community work and also business. Like Rose does real estate. Of course, I'm an attorney. Sometimes people look at that like, well, how do you have time to do all of it? And it can be a lot. But I also find that it goes hand in hand sometimes in ways that you wouldn't expect it to. Because me personally, I never had to do any advertising for my business as an attorney because I was so visible in the community doing what I love to do. I have a passion for being out in the community helping people, but I found that a positive side effect of that was people would come to me for the legal needs. They said, oh, you're a lawyer, right? Or, you know, I need a lawyer. Isn't that guy Michael lawyer? And just kind of being out and about, it kind of sets you apart from other people who might be competitors with you in business in a way that you wouldn't even realize. And so I've been very successful in my business being out in the community as well. And it wasn't something that I intended to do. I know some lawyers and some professionals are told that, right? Like if you want to be be successful in business, join a group, join a club in the community to promote your business. I never took that approach. I did it because I cared about what I was doing in the community, but I found that it does lead to work and it does keep me successful in business. Just doing both. They kind of go hand in hand, they complement each other in a way you might not realize otherwise. And sometimes I even fantasize about like, oh, I'm just tired of everything right now. I'm physically sick. Let me just go stay in Florida for the whole year and, and, and just do my business. But then I think about it, wait a minute, my clients come from the fact that I'm out in the community doing work. I can't, I can't divorce myself from that. They do go hand in hand. Do you find that something similar uh, in your business, Rose? Yeah, I think it's uh, that's how I met Mike, actually, because of the Kiwanis Club, because I made a phone call to Shamika. She is part of the Kiwanis. And I said, hey, I would like to join the Kiwanis. And I've been going since last December. And let me tell you, every Wednesday, I look forward to meeting and seeing everyone who's a part of the Kiwanis Club. It's sort of my happy place. I love everyone there and meeting new people. And that's where I met Mike. I was actually thinking about that today when I was in my office. You know, it's because of Kiwanis. I'm going on this live tonight. Right. We were introduced. That's how we know each other. And you said at the start of what you were just saying, where do we find the time? With an organization like Kiwanis, you have to make the time because you signed up for it, right? So it's like, it's it's something you need to get done and you you know you have to get it done and you're going there with a purpose, with a purpose of helping other people. But I love the fact that I was able to meet so many people. And now um, I met Sam Esposito who invited me to the Lions Club and just getting to meet everyone and, and, and expand is, is great. I, I find that too. What about you, Jay? Yeah. I mean, being out amongst the community and it's, it's, it's networking to, to some degree, maybe it's not even, and it doesn't necessarily have to be like intended networking. It's just being in that space. People, you get to know people, people get to know what you do. People get to have that experience with you and that can kind of lead to to other things, you know, other connections and, and possible work or projects or other volunteer types of things. So I think, yeah, it's, it's a great way to 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 be, especially if it's something that you enjoy doing. Oh, and I had some and you you just reminded me that um, Shamika knows that I'm an MC. So they they actually put me onto two events to MC for the Kiwanis, which is the lieutenant government who used to be Kiwanis president for the past 10 years, Kiwanis Woodhaven Ozone Park, Victor Rodriguez. And I'm emceeing his, his event that they're hosting to, to celebrate him 
for being a part of the Kiwanis for 10 years. And then Kiwanis, one of the biggest event, the Ozone Park Woodhaven is their Latin night in May. So I'm emceeing those two events. And I love the fact that they did just find a way to, to, to use my service in um in that way so i'm, I'm excited i'm definitely also mc the ozone park awards gala you did a great job with that yes yes i was i was nervous because another thing that's when i on the day of the event right before we were about to start i was now looking at the program can you imagine that it was wild like i was typing and the photographer came up to me he go you're now doing this i'm like yeah i'm now seeing the program but it was mm -hmm. and again it was um nice seeing so many people that i have met and known in the community like our um president donovan richards queensborough president I've, I've been seeing him for a lot of events i've been attending and it was nice to see a lot of familiar faces so that was nice that was nice yeah and it's great to be a part of different things like that like you said it's using a skill that you have and also using it to do good in the community it makes you feel good it makes you feel like you're being who you truly can be in every way right like you're being a well-rounded person and you're using your capabilities to the fullest extent and that's good it's good for our sanity even right to have yeah. that balance in our lives and to know that what we like to do can be used for good as well it's not just self-serving we're we're actually giving our skills to the greater good right and there's a there's a a genuineness to it um and it, it can build trust uh, with with people that you're interacting with especially if they're seeing you at different events and whatnot they're gonna look and be like well yeah i saw mike here i saw mike there um doing this so you know i can i can kind of see talking to this guy about about uh his law services like i know i know what kind of person he is or i know what kind of person rose is because uh, she was at this event and, and she's helping out with this and that. So, you know, yeah. It's, it's and you make friends with people. I mean, people yeah. go into business with people that they know. Yeah. So it's good. I mean, if you know someone who's a lawyer or know someone who's a real estate salesperson, say, hey, my friend Mike, my friend Rose, I'll give him a call. Uh, I got a legal problem. I got to sell a house. I mean, it's just only natural. Yeah. Oh, I, would, I loved getting those calls. I want to sell my house come listed because it's dime a dozen. <laughs> That's what's up. So, well, I mean, sounds like you're doing good on both fronts with the real estate and with with the emceeing. Um, plan on, you think you're gonna drop an album? Any kind of emceeing <laughs> album? You got bars, what's up? Oh, I, so, I'm a professional MC at MC events, not like you two. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta ask you two if you're gonna do that. Yeah, but you're yeah. on the edge. I feel like you're like just one step away from dropping a freestyle at the Kiwanis Club. You know well, what I'm saying? You know what? Maybe when you two um, drop an album, I'll be do like a guest sort of a. Oh, that's a good idea. We could put you on a track to do like a MC introduction. Yeah. We, oh, we have dropped albums. Uh, oh, okay. I got to find them more information. But I also do <laughs> professional voiceovers. So if you ever need a voiceover, I'm here. That's what's up. So, and then and speaking earlier about creativity, like um, doing voiceovers, there is that aspect to there, too, because there is a bit of acting involved. There is a bit of dramatization because uh, otherwise, you know, you just read the, the copy straight through and it's very boring. It doesn't come across really well. There has to be some sort of creativity in it. There has to be some sort of that um, emotion and passion and, and create, you know, using that ability. So that's another good thing. 
That's a good point that you raised, Jay. And Rose just mentioned looking at the agenda right before the event. And similar to what we do here, where we kind of just wing it. People don't realize that. But really, right before we go live, we kind of figure out what we want to talk about. But I think that enables us to interject more of our personalities into it because we're not stuck with this rigid agenda where we have to hit point A, point B, point C. We're just kind of giving ourselves room to improvise. And that's really where the emceeing element comes in. You have a foundation that you're working off of, but then within that, there's a lot of room to play and just kind of engage with the moment. I mean, the moment is going to dictate what you do. And I think that's what makes it engaging for the people. And it's right. More, I'm sorry, go ahead, Rolly. And it's, it, it, it's more natural too. And I think once you do the prep work, meaning you're constantly keeping your mind stimulating, reading, educating yourself behind the scenes. So when, you, when you're on a forum like this, you you don't have to pre-plan every single moment you just let it happen and it happens naturally and the viewers who are looking on now they're able to enjoy something that's not scripted right and that, that was similar to how we used to do a lot of um our shows when we would perform um you know of course we had our we had our lyrics and the songs but in between the songs uh there'd be crowd interaction you know we'd see who's there maybe what we might notice and then kind of riff off of that and then go into the into the set and whatnot so yeah, it's 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 a good skill to have. And and I think like uh, Rose mentioned, it's, you know, it's kind of fluid and it's it gives a, a, a more organic feel to it. And it comes with practice, too, because while yeah. these routines wouldn't be rehearsed, it would be us doing a lot of different shows all over the place and recognizing the same patterns. Maybe, I don't know, the same interaction with the crowd where it's like you know we've, we've just seen this we've seen this scenario play out many times to the point where we know what we're going to do and not only what i'm going to do like i know what you're going to do and vice versa and we can play off of that without having to say anything to each other and i think we take that approach here too where people look at this and say oh you guys have such great chemistry it's because we we're practiced together and we just know how to react in different situations and what the other is likely to do we know how to play off each other that way yeah i love the interaction you and jay have it's so like fun to look at. It's I'm you've got a, a new fan now. <laughs> oh, love okay. that! Always love that. Now, now we mentioned early, or maybe it was pre-show. We mentioned that you were a radio host. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Where Where are you hosting? What kind of stuff do you do? Yeah, sure. So I am a radio host. I've been a radio host for the past just about the time I started emceeing 16 years and I started off at a local station in Woodside New York and now currently I am on a internet radio station called Dash Radio it's co-owned by Kylie Jenna, Snoop Dogg, DJ Ski yeah he's the, he's the main DJ and it's like Sirius XM but there's substations and I'm on the um it's a radio station called Ruckus Avenue Radio, and I'm the only West Indian host. So I bring the West Indian vibe. My brother is the DJ, DJ Nick, and he plays soca, chutney, and I do the talking. He do the mixing, and we just we just vibe really. Just it's a, it's a platform to showcase our culture and music. That's what's up. That sounds great. Can and we is get that every week? Huh? Is that every week? Yes, it's every week. It's called Ready, Set, Rose. I didn't name it. It was 
mind who got me on the show. He's the co-founder of this. Own it, own it. Yeah. Ready, set, <laughs> well, I have a website called Ready, Set, Rose, and I guess that's where he got it from. I have a website Makes called rosecetrose.com. And um, so it's called Ready, Set, Rose, and it's every Thursday. It's from uh, 5 to 6 p.m. 5 to 6 p.m. That's Eastern time. And it's my brother. He's on SoundCloud. He's a very good DJ. So he's also on another radio station. And I, I'm just so proud to see him because I remember when I was coming to America, I was 16 years old and my baby brother, Nick, we became hand in hand and we took that big plane and boarded and came to America together to the land of opportunities and to see him come such a long way on having his own show on a radio show and for me continuing doing what I found my passion to be because I never wanted to do all of this it was just a joke I made and someone happened to be there and she was all connected to the media industry and I just happened to be a part of it so it's 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 pretty surreal to have all of this happen where I can do real estate during the day I'm seeing in the night and I haven't had much time to do radio, but I, radio is my passion. I love being on radio and I love doing interviews. I actually do interviews. So it's like once in a while when people interview me, I'm like, oh, this is, this is nice. The tables are turned. Yeah. Yeah, we got you, we got you. And, and you know, I, I, I understand that, um, that interest and that um, joy for doing interviews because I used to do, I used to do interviews a lot, doing interviewing independent and major label artist, music artists um, for uh, websites. And when you know they come out with their new releases and, and whatnot, um, you know, if Mike and I went up and um, one of my first trips, I think, up to New York, we went to what was that? D D and D Studios. D and D Studios, which closed yeah. down, but a legendary studios in New York. Yeah, and had an interview there when we was interviewing uh, Jazz O, oh. Jay Z's mentor, but. Uh, yeah, so I understand that. And I also enjoy that back and forth, that banter um, with someone, that, that conversation and dialogue is really, is really thrilling and interesting to me. So you said you're, you're from the islands and you mentioned before, you're from Trinidad? Yes, I'm from the Twin Island, Trinidad and Tobago. We can't forget Tobago. Oh, no, um, you can't forget Tobago. I am from Trinidad and Tobago, yes. I grew up there and at the age of 16, when I graduated high school, I hopped on a plane. My mom was already in America for five years mm. and uh, we came, my brother and I came and uh, I, it's, I miss Trinidad, but New York is my home and what I love and I have adapted to it but of course still still um try to keep the culture alive by having the radio show and emceeing uh, a couple of uh events that we have pertaining to the musical industry absolutely and trinidad is a beautiful place um i've, I've been there before oh my goodness you yeah that. that's so cool mike did you ever go to trinidad no i think jay definitely has more stamps on his passport than i do <laughs> So Tobago, I, if you want to like visit the touristy area, Tobago. So you got to go to Trinidad first and then take a plane, 50 minute ride to Tobago. And when you go, you're going to be in awe and you're going to fall in love with Tobago. I've never been to Tobago, went to Trinidad. Um, and that was where I got my first roti. Oh my gosh, you had roti. Oh. Plenty of that around here, Jay. You can come to Queens too. Whenever you come to Queens, you know, let's meet up. We'll go for some doubles. That's right. And some rooms as well. 
I have no idea what devil's means, but um, hey, I know it tasted good when I was there. So, yeah, so we'll, yeah. whenever you're coming to New York, just let, just let us know. Let let Mike and I know. We'll meet up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So well, Lix in the chat says hello. Hey, Lixa. Thanks for just stopping in. Speaking of New York, I wanted to brief, briefly talk about the governor's state of the state address because she's laying out an agenda for the year, which I think is commendable. Obviously, it's a big job to tackle, but she's a governor. That's what she signed up for, right? And we on this show, Jay, have focused on this idea that public safety has become a very big issue, really one of the top issues in the state. And I think Democrats in particular have struggled with addressing it while also coming up with a plan that's really an all of the above approach, because we talked about how you can't only throw money at the issue of crime in the form of more cops or short-term solutions. You got to think about the long-term, how are you going to really create an environment where public safety is less of an issue, right? So you got to do both. It's like walking and chewing gum at the same time. I think Democrats have struggled with this. The governor in her state of the state address should be commended, I think, for laying out a plan that did start with public safety. So she's not ignoring the elephant in the room, no pun intended. She's talking about public safety first and foremost. And she is talking about giving judges more discretion, especially when it comes to serious or violent felonies, right? Obviously, bail reform was a big topic of controversy, and a lot of people blamed bail reform outright for the spike in crime. Well, the governor is not ignoring that. She's saying that, yes, we don't want to make sure people are detained unfairly, especially over less serious offenses. But for more serious offenses, maybe judges should have more discretion. So that was part of it, but she didn't stop there, right? She started talking about housing, building more housing, 800,000 housing units over the next decade to meet the state's housing shortage and address the affordability crisis. And then she started talking about mental health care and health care, talking about a, a billion dollars to address mental health, a thousand beds for psychiatric treatment, 3,500 housing units for New Yorkers with mental illness. Then she started talking about climate, education, and she really took this holistic approach, which I think is needed. But obviously, if you're the governor giving the state of the state address, you're going to have to touch on different issues. But I like the way she laid this out in terms of we understand public safety is kind of at the top of everyone's minds right now, top of the list. We're going to address that, but we're going to go beyond that and create a New York that works for everyone because these issues don't exist in a vacuum. Once you create a better New York for everyone, crime is certainly going to go down and all these other numerics are going to improve along with it. Absolutely. And that sounds like what's needed. You mentioned that the Democrats have struggled with it. I think we've pointed out it's it's the Democrats have has struggled with the messaging of it. Um, in the way that sometimes they speak about it, it seems like they're less interested in the enforcement or or the you know dealing with the crime aspect. Um, whereas on the other side, it's more about the punishment. Um, so this sounds like it's more of a balanced approach, something that understands that both exist and you've got to to navigate these these waters, you know, carefully. Right. And there are nuances to these issues. That's why we call what? it. What? Yeah. I mean, that gets lost in the dialogue too much. The yeah. nuance, but that's the way forward. I understand it isn't always the most attractive way to politic or to campaign, but to govern, you need to get down to the nitty gritty and the nuances. And I commend her for attempting that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I find that so the state of state, the address took place today. Obviously, I didn't get to hear it. I was at the office all day. 
but from what I'm hearing that Mike, you mentioned all the bullet points that you want to focus on. And I think those are topics that cannot be ignored. And it sounds like she sat in a room with all of her entourage saying, well, what should we discuss? They just give her a list of topics that's in dire need of discussing and addressing just to appease people and say, hey, you know, look into the camera and tell everyone, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to help. But I really want to see action. Yes. The, the, the mental problem that we've been enduring and and more more and more crimes are being done because of the mental health problem, sadly. So that needs to be addressed. And I've known that people are scared to go onto the trains because of all of the attacks that's been happening. So I really want to see, and this is her first full year that she's really going to get to govern. I really want to see change, hardcore change in order for us to feel safe and have that, that um, what we need to feel as a New Yorker again, that reassurance. And I hope that these plans are implemented, not just being talked about because you want to appease us and you right. want to tell us what we want to hear. I really, really exactly. Exactly. Agreed completely. And it is good that the plans are being presented because that is the first step. And it isn't only rhetoric. It isn't only, hey, we need to address crime. We need to address mental health. Anyone can say that, but at least she's coming out with, okay, 800,000 units of new housing. She's laying down, you know, the money she wants to spend and the numbers. So she does have kind of concrete plans or goals at least in place. And now it really is up to not just her, but the legislature to help put this into action. And I hope that they do. Absolutely, absolutely. And then there's also, of course, the, uh, the public component to hold her feet to the fire to uh, make sure that she executes on the promises or the plans that she's putting forth. People are like, okay, well, what happened to this? You put this forth, like, let's, let's make this happen. Um, so I think it's, it's a good step. And like Rose, you mentioned, yeah, like, she could be speaking to what people want to hear. You know, you can get some excellent copywriters out there that make speeches that sound great and inspire but it ultimately is going to come down to how you execute and what kind of results um, that the people can get right now on the topic of education there is something here that may be a little bit controversial she is saying that she wants to increase funding for foundation aid to school districts by 2.7 billion dollars which would bring the total investment to 24 billion she wants to increase funding for full day kindergarten there are tutoring programs that she wants to expand. So there's a lot of good stuff she's proposing. But with that, she also is asking for an increase in tuition for SUNY and CUNY schools to be determined by the higher education price index or 3%, whichever is lower. So I'm sure a lot of this is a response to inflation and just the need to raise that revenue. But anytime you increase tuition, especially for public schools, I think you can get some pushback there. Absolutely. Yeah, personally, I went to CUNY College and I had to pay for most of it out of my pocket. And um, while I was working and thankfully able to pay for it, I know of a friend right now who cannot go, go to college because it's just too expensive. And they basically want you to be poverty blind in order to qualify for financial aid. So it's just really, really difficult. Um, and I think education is important in Trinidad. Education is free because we see uh, the need for it. Obviously up here, it's different. When I say up here, I mean the United States. It, it cannot be free, but it should not be so expensive that it's making someone prefer go get a job rather than joining college. Right, and I think 
you know that it's a good point there are a lot of there are a lot of countries that offer free college and even some states have um messed but you know tried some programs and it's it's obviously possible um it does think uh, take a little bit of out of the box thinking and 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 changing some of the things if we put put an importance on it right so yeah. trinidad and other countries who have that importance they put they understand okay well, if we make it free then we can get more people into higher education whereas in the states we don't quite put it in that type of context yet you know we're I've like got a story on okay. that that i've told before but when i was working in the legislature i was counsel to the senate in albany i received a phone call from the white house and at the time it was the vice president's office and it was vice president biden's office in fact and they chose our senate office as the office for New York. They were making calls around the country, but for New York, they chose ours as the office that would possibly introduce legislation for free community college in the state. And it was part of the president's plan. President Obama at the time was trying to do this at the national level by going state by state and seeing what could work in the states. And, you know, it was kind of like um, a, a laboratory for democracy, right? Like, let's, let's look at what works in these different states and try to build programs uh, off of that. So in New York, we actually did introduce legislation called the New York Promise Program, and it was modeled uh, later. So it didn't pass when we introduced it that year, but we made a lot of noise around it and eventually became part of the inspiration for the New York Excelsior Program, which was a scholarship program to try to provide free college for people. But there are all types of I don't know if you want to call them strings, but conditions that we were trying to put on it, where we would say, basically, we're going to front you the money for your education, but you have to give back to New York. So you had to promise that you would stay in the state and work in New York and contribute to our economy. So you wouldn't just take the education and then use your skills elsewhere. You would actually give back to the state that helped you get to that position. And it was interesting, but I think it was a worthwhile endeavor. And I think we need to keep looking at solutions like that to make sure that people are taken care of. I mean, the New York State Constitution guarantees a sound basic education as a right. The federal constitution does not. But if you live in New York, that is a constitutional right you have. And so we need to be taking that seriously. And Jay makes the point that an educated populace really is even a matter of national security. I mean, it's certainly well beyond just the luxury of getting a college degree. It's about serving the public, giving back to the public and making a better society um, in New York and in the, the US. And so I do think that's an important goal that we need to have. And my antenna kind of goes up anytime I see the cost of education increasing. Of course, everything we're seeing go up. Everyone talks about eggs now going through the roof, right? Turkeys we saw over Thanksgiving. Everything is more expensive now, I get it. But when it comes to education, which is, like I said, considered a right in the state, we have to be very careful with that. Even if we have to foot the bill as taxpayers a little bit more, I'm willing to look into that or try to find programs, try to find wealthy people. Like in Tennessee, for example, Joe Biden told us that there was a guy like a Bloomberg like guy in Tennessee who was putting a lot of that money down himself to pay for some of these scholarship programs. We need to look into those options as well, but do whatever we can to make sure that we're increasing access to education, not restricting it. Absolutely. And, and, and look into how other countries are able to pro provide it and see what's working, what's not working and try to incorporate those things in the system. And I did catch, I did catch the lyric shout out, by the way, Mike, good, good one. A lyric uh, shout out, what was it? You, you said the way that I said that um, education is uh, yes. national security. You remember that? Remember the song it came from? You were in the music video. 
<laughs> no, I've heard you say that before. I didn't realize that was also in the song. Yeah, I've said it before, but I also put I say it a lot, and I and I it was in one of the lyrics to the song. Remember, we shot the music video at uh, what was the university? I forget. Uh, oh, okay. The, music, the song Pace. is called "I Want the Secret." Pace University. Pace University. Yeah, yes. Yeah, and actually, didn't that end up in USA Today? Yes. Yeah, that was in USA Today, and it was basically talking about the cost of education and it was called i want the secret and it was basically a based off of a book i want the secret to getting a job after college and talking about how it's difficult in these things and one of the lyrics was that and i believe that that you know having an educated population is a matter of national security especially when we're talking about in a global economy if other countries are putting this focus on education for their populace and they're getting this higher education and these higher these higher skills they can fulfill these roles that are coming up with this like the new technology or whatever and then we're falling behind then that can be a problem we're going to have a brain drain uh, in the country we're going to have uh you know lower economic ceiling and that was one of the thing in the two what was it the 2008 crash when there was a, a a lot of people lost their jobs i remember reading at the time that it wasn't really there was so much a lack of jobs. It was that we didn't have the populace that was qualified to fill the jobs that were available. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that that constitutes a national security issue. So well, absolutely. Yeah. And it's Good just talk. like we talked about a few minutes ago where we have this crime issue, but it doesn't happen in a vacuum. And right. so if you have a more educated population, if you have mental health services adequately addressed, if you have housing created to levels where it needs to be, then yes, it's going to have a positive effect on the crime rate. I mean, that's only natural. Absolutely. When life is more stable, people are, are happier and there's, there's, you know, less of this, the extraneous things that go on. Jeremy in the chat says the Howard Beach Lindenwood Civic told us people with money can buy police officers for the neighborhood. Oh. Okay. Well, I, you know, saying that a friend of mine that I had grew up with um, he owned a company in California and it was a private security firm, but they were the size of the firm was such that they acted, acted like a police force in many neighborhoods and they were contracted to do that. And so you're seeing some of this rise of these private security forces in some neighborhoods around the country that either replace or supplement the police force. So, I mean, you know, I'm not sure how much I, how, how I feel about a private security firm in our neighborhoods like that, but we're, we're seeing that happening. Yeah, and I think needs may vary neighborhood to neighborhood. So we can't right. always take this one size fits all approach. You have right. to move it to the neighborhood and hopefully enough people in the neighborhood are participating and making their voices heard about what they want and they need where they live. That's why these groups that we talk about even are so important because they serve the people, but they also serve as a conduit to the public officials and to the people who make some of these decisions. James in the chat says, hopefully, she's talking about the governor, hopefully she's not cutting funds from the MTA. They really need to improve subway stations and the subway itself. Yeah, transportation is big as well. And I would like to see the governor get on board with the Queens Link because I know that she's big on the IBX, which is owned by the MTA, but it is a right of way that already exists. And so she's saying to improve transportation, it makes sense to use infrastructure that's already there. The same holds true for the Queens Link, which is the old Rockaway Beach line of Long Island Railroad, not owned by the MTA, it's owned by New York City, but nonetheless, it's a right of way that exists. And if we use this for transit as it's intended, we can create a whole lot of economic opportunity. And that plays a big role in issues like crime as well. Absolutely.
So, yeah, no, thinking back to that story, it's funny. I don't think I ever mentioned that when the White House was calling, it was vice president staff and I got to know them pretty well. At a certain point, vice president at the time, Biden, wanted to get on the phone and do a conference call. And I remember telling Senator, Senator James Sanders, who was, was working with, that, that Joe Biden wanted to get on, on the phone. And I said, you probably want to get on this one. And he actually said, why don't you take it? You've been working with them the whole time. I think you should take it. And I always thought that that was great, that he gave me the phone and he said, listen, you've been working on this legislation. You've been working on this issue with the White House. Why don't you get on the phone with Joe Biden? And it was great to be on that conference call with then Vice President Biden. And I was was grateful for Senator Sanders that he gave me that chance. Oh my gosh, that was pretty, that was a pretty cool opportunity. And what was that like? That was amazing. And it was just very laid back. I mean, it was Joe Biden talking to a few different people from the state and from the White House. And it was a conference call. People had questions and he was just saying kind of what worked in other states because he was assigned this issue by President Obama. And so he said, hey, listen, you know, like I think he mentioned the Tennessee thing. In Tennessee, there was a guy with money who funded a lot of this. Maybe you can find someone in New York willing to do that. And just kind of saying like what worked and what didn't work in different states. And that's encouraging that, that you know, that people are thinking that way, like looking for what worked and what didn't work. Uh, I think, you know, you should get, get on the call, have Biden come on and we can get him on the show. Get him on nuance. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say it was, this was disappointing because this was in 2016 and I was invited to something at the White House. I think it was at the rose garden or something might have even like an easter easter event or something like that and i remember i couldn't make it that year and they were always like you know well you have connections with the white house now but it was 2016 and so 2017 of course i lost all those connections i couldn't do any of those <laughs> events anymore so that was that, that, that year was the last chance i had to interact with those white house folks i guess some of them are back in place now never know you never know we might all be up there you know we're gonna well, no, but, but, the White House. Saying, i know i know some of the people who were working in the administration back then are back now yeah okay. yeah so so you never know we could be we could be there we could be either hosting the hosting the live stream from the white house uh with uh you know rose being the mc for the night uh, all right or we could all just be on stage now we're kicking kicking rhymes and you know doing what we do we never know what's going to happen that would be an opportunity of a lifetime <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yes. And so with that being said, Rose, we like to give our guests the last word on here. We call it the bottom line. But anything you want to leave the people with, Rose, what is the bottom line? Sure. Um, first off, I would like to say thank you to Mike and Jay for having me on your show. I had a lot, a lot of fun. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I feel it, it was great. A great way to kick off my birthday week. I'm actually turning a... Uh, I don't want to say, but <laughs> on Saturday, <laughs> I, I had a wonderful time with both of you. And if anyone is looking to purchase a home or sell their home in Queens, Brooklyn, or Long Island, I would love to get the opportunity to work for you, with you. And you can contact me at any time. I will be more than happy to pick up your call and take it from there. Spoken like a true Capricorn, right? Yes, <laughs> and, and happy birthday to you. Do you have any plans for your birthday weekend? Absolutely. I am going to brunch with my mom and my sister. Then my friend is having me over for lunch. And then in the night, I'm having a party, which I will send you the invitation, Mike, at a local. Okay. Yeah. 
Oh, so Mike gets an invitation, but I don't get an invitation. <laughs> What's right. going on? I thought we had yeah, that connection there. there. I've been to Trinidad before. We we you know we both done MC and stuff too. Like I thought we had a connection. I just found out you're in Virginia, but if you <laughs> hop on a plane and come to New York, I don't mind more the merrier. It's enough room for a hundred more people. Yes, you are invited if you're gonna come. <laughs> awesome. Very good. Well, happy birthday. I hope you have a great one and give give your 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 mom and family a hug from from us and everyone in the chat. Oh, and everyone, please buy Jay's mom's book. I'm sorry? Say it again? Please, please go buy Jay's mom's book. Yes, yeah. Murphy Farm. Yes, looking for the Murphy Farm, JJ the Giraffe. Um, I'll give you a sneak peek. This is, mine, <laughs> mine will be out this week. Okay. Oh, oh, you, what? I had no idea. That's awesome. Okay. Look yeah. at that. Speaking of birthdays, my father would have turned 76 tomorrow. Oh, Capricorn, happy yes. heavenly birthday, Dad. Yes, absolutely. And Jay, before we sign off here, where can people find us? They can find us on YouTube. Um, look up Nuanced Show. Uh, go there, subscribe, watch the videos, participate in the conversation. If you got any comments, you can leave them under the videos. Uh, also, the audio of this goes wherever your podcasts are. So if you, you listen to podcasts on Spotify, on Apple, Amazon, whatever you do, it'll be on there as well. So you can subscribe. It'll automatic, automatically be pushed to your device. Uh, and then, of course, there's Instagram. So um, pop on over to Instagram. We uh, put up some content on there as well from the show, especially where we do the polls and some tidbits. So, yeah, join us everywhere and keep the conversation going because I think these conversations, and we've talked about it before, these types of conversations, especially involving uh, balanced dialogue, looking at different sides, and even talking about community efforts is really important. It helps keep people engaged. It helps uh, move things forward. So join us and let's uh, keep it moving. Yes, sounds good. And we will have more poll results next week. We apologize for that. I've been sick. I haven't gotten the polls online, but we will have them again next week. Maybe we'll even have one for Rose's MC game. Who knows? Let me know. <laughs> yes. So, so, but for now, it's MC Rose D. We're, we're, I guess that's the first suggestion that we got. Yes, okay. <laughs> that's like an old school name. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'll run with it. But whenever you guys come up with other options, I'll take a look as well. <laughs> all right. Seven, yeah. Thanks. Well, thank you all for tuning in as always. And I'm going to get myself back to bed and hopefully I'll feel better soon. And we'll see you next time.